CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live from the NASDAQ on this expiration Friday, and look who decided to stick around for the big OA. The one and only BK. Here's coming up on today's show. NVIDIA shares got wrecked today. And one of the traders says a similar sell-off could happen in another tech giant. He'll give us the name. Plus, after an historic losing streak, bullish bets on oil and energy stocks are exploding. If you want to get in on the action, Mike Coe has a way to do it for less than a buck. And Apple shares have been rotten this month. But Dan Nathan says the stock could be gearing up for a big rally. He'll tell us how to profit. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And we start with Apple rallying today, but still on track for its worst month in more than two and a half years. The stock falling 12%, shedding a cool $125 billion in market capitalization. This amid mounting concerns over iPhone demand. But Dan here says it could be gearing up for a year-end rally. So let's get in the money right now. Dan, what do you see? Yeah, so I think it sets up pretty interesting. If you think about what happened just on November 1st when this company um, you know, gave that guidance that kind of shook investors, it was also coupled with um, you know, the fact that they're not going to report iPhone units going forward. And I think what's really important for investors as they go into 2019, they start thinking about this company not on a per unit hardware basis, but maybe an average revenue per user. And then, you know, that's going to be an early 2019 play. In the meantime, though, I think Apple is really set up to do a good job in capturing a lot of those iPhone units in the holiday selling period. But they kind of screwed it up last quarter, the way that they introduced those phones. And I think that's probably in the stock right here. I think you can kind of look out to December expiration. I have a chart that's, I think, really important here. Look at where this stock is trying to bottom this week at the intersection of the one-year uptrend, but also the gap fill from that last quarter back in August where it gapped up to new highs. It filled that entire gap. And I think this sets up for a good defined risk play over the next month here. So to me, I think it's really simple. You buy a call spread today when the stock was trading at 192.50. You can look at December expiration. You could buy the December 195.215 call spread, paying $5 for that, buying one of the December 195 calls for 6 bucks, selling one of the 215 calls at a dollar. You break even up at $200. You can make up to $15 between 200 and 215 on December expiration. And what I like here is really the risk reward here. And I like the technical setup. You're basically risking about 2.5% of the stock price, playing for a gap fill back towards that 215 area from prior to results. Mike, what do you think of the trade? Yeah, I like this trade. I mean, first of all, thinking about a 2.5% premium spend from now to December expiration on a name that moved more than that this week, that seems like a pretty good do. And actually, it does seem like the options market kind of agrees with Dan here. You know, if you take a look back to Wednesday, the two most active options were actually the November 190 and 195 calls. Those 195s, though, didn't work out so hot, but people who bought the 190s certainly had an opportunity to play for a little bit of a bounce. That said, on a fundamental basis, you know, I think we're towards the upper end of the range in terms of its valuation with respect to how it is traded since they've released the iPhone. So that's going back to about 2009 and 10. So to me, I think on a valuation basis, probably reasonable because people are discounting whether or not you're going to continue to see iPhone growth going forward. 
Well, the thing with Apple, they got hit by a double whammy, right? They tried to change the way that they told you about their reporting. They were not going to report units, but they handled it so poorly. Then all of a sudden, suppliers come out and say, we're cutting back our biggest customer. Apple is likely cutting back. So what happened here is you have a lot of uncertainty, and we've dropped off here. I actually do like this trade for a trade going into the end of the year because when you have that uncertainty, markets will overreact. And here I have a three-to-one risk ratio not risk-to-reward ratio. That's exactly what I'm looking for. I like it a lot. What would you be concerned about in terms of this trade going to December? Well, the truth is, unless we have a pre-announcement by one of their suppliers um, to call into doubt what their guidance was to make investors think that actually maybe their guidance was a little too optimistic, I think you kind of have smooth sailing here. I think when you look about the retail earnings that we've gotten so far this week, Apple, with these new high price points on their phones, I think they're taking a lot of retail dollars here. Um, So to me, the stock has valuation support, like Mike just said. Over the last three quarters, this company's been buying at least $20 billion back of their own stock. None of it accelerated. I can see them in the past. They've done accelerated buybacks. I can see them accelerating down below 200 into year end to get the stock moving in the right direction. And it's not just been today where it bounced, Mike. I mean, it really started yesterday. So for the past two days, it seems to be acting reasonably outperforming the market at this point. Yeah, no, it does seem like it's found some level of support here. And, you know, a lot of these other sort of tech disappointments that we're seeing, whether it is Facebook, which is obviously trading very poorly, or whether it's stories like NVIDIA, these are idiosyncratic stories. I think in Apple's case, obviously, it's bolstered, number one, by that big buyback. We're going into a historically very strong season for it. And one of the points that Dan just made, look, on the higher average selling prices, the margins should be very good there. So you don't need to see a big increase in unit sales for them to do very well on the bottom line. All right, now let's move to oil. Bouncing 4% from its low earlier this week as it tries to recover from a historic losing streak. That move sparking a flurry of bullish bets in the options market. Bob Pisani is at the New York Stock Exchange with more. Bob. Energy's been a disaster. It's the biggest sector decliner on the S&P this quarter, down 13%. That's worse than the 11% drop in consumer discretionary. It's worse than technology with all the big drops in semiconductor, worse than the big drop in industrials like Caterpillar and 3M on the global growth worries and tariffs. Energy's collapse has taken the ratio of energy stocks in the S&P to a 17-year low. It's got a measly weighting of 5.5%. That's a fraction of the 21% weighting for technology, 15% weighting for healthcare, 14% for financials. Typically, these these kinds of big declines do produce a rally. Indeed, oil has moved up three days in a row after dropping 25% in the last month. That's a good sign. That has spurred a lot of activity in the option space. It's been a busy week. The CME reported that energy futures and options reached a daily trading volume record on Wednesday. Now, in the commodity space, the USO, that's the ETF for the front month futures oil contract, saw above average bullish bets this week got a big buyer of the December 13 slash 1360 call spreads. That's more than 10% above the current price. That's an interesting bet. There's also some bets being made in the equity space as well. The XLE, which is the largest energy equity ETF, also saw a big buyer of November 69 slash 73 call spreads. That would imply a move up of about 7% in energy equities. You can always hope. Back to you, Melissa. All right, Bob. Thank you. Bob Bassani at the New York Stock Exchange. So, Mike, how are you trading oil? Yeah, I, I mean, I, obviously, the fundamental story for oil has been pretty weak. That's one of the reasons we've been seeing it perform the way it has been. I mean, U.S. production is basically ramped right back up to record levels. I mean, we just saw some data coming out of North Dakota, 1.4 million barrels a day coming out of there. To put things in perspective, out of that one state, that's about a third of what Iran or Iraq 
produce on a daily basis. So when you take a look at North American oil production, that is definitely a challenge. That said, when you take a look across the globe, you look at OPEC, for example, they're under a lot of pressure when you start seeing oil prices drop down to these levels. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see some coordination by other producers talking about production cuts, and that obviously could create a short-term boost. So if I'm looking for a bounce, I'm more likely to look for a bounce in the commodity of oil than I am in the stocks. You know, a lot of these stocks carry a lot of debt, and that obviously is a risk, especially if oil has been persistently low for some length of time. It's interesting to me because Bob had pointed out a big bullish spread that we had seen in USO earlier. I like that trade for the most part. I think actually the way most people should look at this, though, is take a look out to December 28th. That's the weekly options. Look at the 12 and a half, 13 and a half call spread. You could spend about 35 cents for that. Bear in mind, commodities, the options premium tend to skew to the upside. In stocks, they skew to the downside. In commodities, often they skew to the upside. So you aren't going to get often that three to one payout that Beakers was talking about earlier on call spreads in commodity space. But this is a way you could play for a bounce in oil without taking a whole lot of downside risk and without getting into playing a lot of heavily levered oil names. Dan? Yeah, so look at this trade. It's kind of interesting. The USO was trading at 16 a month ago. Um, You know, it's kind of stabilized here a little bit. And Mike's not really playing for a huge move to the upside. This is a scenario where I think it's interesting that Mike's choosing to use a spread. You know, that out-of-the-money 13.5 call is 1% of the the stock price at that level. I'd almost wait and see if you get that move back towards 13 or something and then look to spread it by just owning the 12.5 just because it's been so volatile. And if you get the direction right, you're going to get this trade really right. You've got a potential cap list too with an OPEC meeting the first right. week of December. Right. And we'll look at what happened on Tuesday. We had what looked like a capitulation day. Massive, massive volume in oil. Lots of rumors that maybe OPEC was disintegrating. To me, it seemed just like a negotiating type of tactic. I wouldn't be surprised to see if cuts are back on the table. This has been a supply issue so far. We can't read demand into it. So I think you got a really good risk here, risk reward of buying oil here, buying the USO. I'm actually long USO itself. Michael, uh, Mike, what do you anticipate that will happen with the OPEC meeting? That could be a major catalyst. So you might have to amend or adjust the trade as you go. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And the point that Dan made is not a bad one. I mean, if one was so inclined and you actually were ready and prepared to manage a trade like this, going out and buying those 12 and a half calls and then looking for opportunities to spread against it, that might make sense. But the reason we're looking at a spread here is specifically because we have that upcoming catalyst. That upcoming catalyst is going to elevate options premiums, both in the energy space stocks as well as in the commodity. And that's one of the reasons why we're kind of looking to make a spread. The other thing I would make a point here, that 13 and a half level. I mean, a 10% pop, that's sort of saying, you know, maybe we get a bear market rally. I'm not ready to call an absolute bottom in oil prices right here, right now. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. If you do, I'll be your best friend. (laughs) Really? (laughs) So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. NVIDIA struck investors today. And one of the traders says a similar storm could be brewing for another tech stock. He'll give us the name. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to Options Action. A storm taking down NVIDIA today. That stock plunging 19% for its worst day in a decade after reporting earnings last night. NVIDIA is now down more than 40% from its all-time high just last month. Dan Nathan sees similar dark clouds forming over another big tech name. So, Dan, why don't you head over to the plasma? Yeah, so let's talk about really what happened here other than this mega storm we got here in New York. I mean, listen, NVIDIA closed down 19% today. This company now has a $100 billion market cap. Look at how much was just shaved off by one poor um, earnings result here. So, to me, I think you really have to think about, is this a canary in the coal mine for broader tech? We obviously know that uh, NVIDIA's, their chips, touch a lot of different parts of technology, but I think it's also important to think about, what are some other tech stock stories that have unusually high sentiment the way NVIDIA did? You know, this is the one-year chart of NVIDIA. This is really important. This was October 3rd. It was making a new all-time high. It was nearly up 50% on the year. Look at this downdraft. It's down nearly 50% from those highs right there, from 52 two-week highs to 52-week lows in less than five weeks. That's bad stuff, people, especially for a very, very highly thought-about story as NVIDIA. Let's go now to the five-year chart. This is really important. This thing was like a 10-bagger over the last couple years here. When it broke just a couple weeks ago, it kept on going. I don't know where this thing's going to stop, and I think it makes sense to think about some similar stories. Let's go to Adobe. This is a company that on October 15th, they guided fiscal year 2019 sales growth to 20%. That was good news. Investors liked it. It's still down from there. So when we go and look at this stock right here, look at it sitting here on 235. It's down about 15%. It is in correction territory. This is an expensive stock, just like NVIDIA. It trades about 10 times its sales and about 30 times its expected earnings. I see some kind of gap down to 200 on disappointing results on 213, or excuse me, on uh, December 13th. Let's just go to the five-year chart. It kind of resembles a lot of that NVIDIA chart here. It broke that uptrend. It's hanging out here. Doesn't look great to me. So now I just want to overlay the two of them over the last five years. Kind of similar price action, massively outperforming the NASDAQ and the S&P the whole way. The orange is NVIDIA. We saw what happened there. That's Adobe. So here's the thing, right? Adobe's still up 36% on the year. It's down 15% of its highs. December 13th, it's got that earnings event. I do not, if I own this stock, want to be sitting around waiting for some sort of disappointing guidance between now um, and then. So I might think about as a hedge, or if I'm looking to kind of kill some whales here, I may go after this one on the short side here. So today, when the stock was trading at 239, you can look to December expiration. It's going to catch that earnings announcement. You could buy the December 235, 200 put spread, paying $8 for that, buying one of the 235 puts for 10 bucks, selling one of the 200 puts at $2. That breaks even at 227 on the downside. Make up to 27 between 227 and 200, and that's your max gain here. I like the risk reward. Risking eight to possibly make 27 if you have a move like NVIDIA. And I just want to make one last point. This is not a high probability bet, but it could be a good hedge, like I said before. And if you see any continuation in high growth, high valuation tech continue to go lower, this is a name that you're going to want to be in to the short side. Mike, what do you think of the trade? Yeah, well, I mean, you're sort of discounting the probability. Let's think about this for a second. This is a name that has historically moved about 5% the day they announce earnings. And it's interesting because here you have several weeks to go before this trade expires. And that's actually all you need this stock to move to the downside for you to break even. And after that, it's all gravy. So when I take a look at this, the chances that it's going to move 5% one way or the other over the course of the next three weeks or so, to me, that seems like a pretty easy bet to make. So when you're thinking about either 
shorting the stock or putting on this put spread, putting on the put spread makes sense. It's actually surprising to me that the options premiums are as low as they are going into earnings, especially given the kinds of sharp moves that we've seen. Now, granted, Adobe and NVIDIA are in very, very different business areas, but this, you know, we have seen some situations where people thought that all the damage was done, and it turns out that price action was telling us something very valuable in names like AMD and NVIDIA. They might be telling us something like that again now in Adobe. A lot about sentiment here. It is, right? And, and if we're talking sentiment, 230 $230 levels, really important for Adobe. That's been support since about the middle of October. And Dan drew that triangle, which I think the smart technicians call a triangle of death. If you break through the bottom of that thing, I do think it could go to 200 Is that really a triangle? I mean, Carter's not here, so you can draw whatever lines you want on that plasma. Nobody's going to challenge you. <laughs> Carter has endorsed the triangle of death, Mel, I okay. think on a recent <laughs> show, just to be clear. All right. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Facebook face plant the social stock sinking 3% today and hitting a fresh 52-week low. Is there any hope in sight for the stock? We've got the details. Plus, have a question? Send us a tweet to add options action. If it's nice, we might read it later in the show. We are live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more options action still ahead. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Last week, Carter and Mike said chipmaker NVIDIA was going to crack on earnings. We're on that line. Again, the bet is that we're going to undercut the line. Uh, the group in general we know peaked before tech. Uh, tech peaked in many ways relative to the market in June as a sector. It's just not a good setup. I was looking out to January. You could buy the 200, 160 put spread, spending 15 bucks for those 200 puts, selling the other ones for 4 bucks. Well, NVIDIA tanking nearly 19% just today and more than 20% since the time of the trade. Now, you may have noticed that Carter is not on the desk tonight. He actually got stuck in the snowstorm, but he did send us a postcard as he makes his way back to New York City. He writes, well, for NVIDIA, that's it. A big rollover foreshadowing a problem, and today the problem was exposed. A good example of price action leading fundamentals, a testament to the concept that there's wisdom in price. Hope you have a great show. Sorry not to be there. My flight from Denver to New York City, was diverted to Chicago, then canceled, spent the night at O'Hare, and I'm flying to Pittsburgh, then catching a flight to D.C., then Amtrak to the Big Apple. That can't be real. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's going to take him a week to get back back here. So, Mike, how do you manage the trade? Well, my flight also was canceled. You notice I'm not in New York, so I'm actually thankful that I didn't get diverted. But here's the thing. NVIDIA was basically a trifecta of bad news. We, we basically hit our price objective. We basically got right down to that 160 level, nearly tripling our money. Probably got a chance to take this off at 30 bucks on Monday. I think that's what you want to do. What do you think, BK? I think you take it off on Monday. I mean, to something that's down 20%. I mean, yes, earnings weren't as great as possible, but you've had the move here, right? And so especially when you're talking about options, again, they're gonna, there's going to be that time expiration there. So you want to take your profits as soon as possible. I don't necessarily foresee a big rebound in NVIDIA. Yeah, how about you? This was just a great, great call. And yeah. I think last week when we discussed it, I think it was really important. I thought that if the stock ever got down to 160 or so, you're going to have a lot of people who are very bullish on the story when it's much higher say, I kind of like it here, too, because now expectations are much lower. So I do think you take this trade off. I think you probably have a couple more down days, but closer to 150, people are going to buy this stock. 
art. Now, last month, Dan made a contrarian call on Facebook ahead of earnings. Since the IPO, it's a pretty nice, pretty uh, consistent uptrend there that it just broke, you know, and it just went through that most recent support. Um, it's a pretty dicey time, I think, to try to kind of catch a falling knife in this name. I could do the November, January 160 call calendar. Well, the stock is down about 4% since the time of the trade. Dan, the first leg of that, uh, first leg of the trade here expires today. So what do you do? Yeah, so this is really important. Like, this is an options trade. I obviously you could tell by that video, I did not want to buy the stock here. And it continues to get worse. And the technicals continue to get worse. And the sentiment continues to get worse. But at this point now, you're left long the January 160 call. For 270, it's worth about 120. I don't think you sell it here. That break even on January is up about um, 15% or so. And the way the stock is moving, you could see money flow into it in January. And that's kind of the trade here. So it's kind of set it and forget it. You own this out of the money call. What do you think about that premise? Money yeah, will flow into it. Yeah, may, maybe. I don't know. I, I would just cut my losses and move on. It's not to say that Facebook can't trade higher. It's just that I think they've got a lot of headwinds. And until you can really get a handle on the costs around the way they have to run their business now, I think it's going to be difficult for the catalyst to move these things higher. So I'm just a seller. Cut your losses. Move on. All right. Coming up next, your tweets and the final call. We've got time for a tweet. Uh, our viewer asks, what do you think of buying the Tesla November 30th 360 calls to play for a move to 370? Mike, why don't you take that? Well, if you're playing for a move to 370, you're about to break even if it goes to there by expiration. But if you're going to make a bullish bet in Tesla, which pretty well performed this week, uh, I think buying calls is probably the way to do it. I wouldn't be buying the stock here. All right. Time now for the final call. Mike Coe, why don't you kick it off? Yeah, I think call spreads in USO are the way to play for a small bounce in it. All right, Brian Kelly, it's been good to have you here. on the Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me here. Uh, you know, for me, the dollar is the new VIX. A lot of people don't like to talk about it. I hear a lot of people don't like it. But if that goes lower, the market could go higher. Dan Nathan. Uh, yeah, so Apple, I think if you want to be contrarian here, play for a year-end rally, look at December call spreads. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll see you back here next Friday at 530. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.